What is that? General quarters, general quarters, all hands, man your battle stations. Who recognizes that sound? You know that sound? That's what? General quarters, says Sue. It's general quarters. Are you at your stations? Listen, do you hear it? General quarters, all hands, man your battle stations. All hands, man your battle stations. Do you hear it? Do you hear the call? Do you hear the urgency? Do you hear the sound? Because that's what's supposed to be happening right now. There ought to be a sense of urgency happening within the body of Christ. There ought to be something that's arising within you. There ought to be a desire that you have to be able to go to the supernatural. But guess what? It won't happen, all right, if you're not at your place in the natural where you're supposed to be. You can fade that down now, all right? Oh, everybody, general quarters. General quarters sounds so ordinary, doesn't it? Why don't they give it a better name, you know, general quarters? <laughs> Just take your general quarters. Don't take your special urgency emergency quarters. Don't just general quarters. General quarters. Because it is an ordinary place of a warrior in the army to be ready to carry out the duties that they have been given to defend. Amen. And that is the, some of the sounds, and it's, it's been different things that's happened throughout the, the years, different sounds. And, and I'm so excited that we have a people, hopefully you're part of the people, who's part of the army of God, that's at your station. Because the sound, some people's just waiting for that trumpet sound. I'm just waiting to get out of here. That's the next sound I want to hear. I don't want to hear any of the sound. I don't want to hear a sound that says, go to my general quarters, go get ready for battle, go get ready to get some, some, some arrows shot at me, you know. I signed up to be on the winning team. How many of you know you're on the winning team even when and the arrows are coming against you? But he's given you something called the shield of faith that you can extinguish those fiery darts that the enemy shows and throws at you. Amen? Different ones of us are engaging and are stepping into our general quarters and, and are being activated, and, and I'm excited about that. And Trayvon, I want you to come up here, if you would, please, for a moment. He had something pretty awesome that happened to him. Uh, this week, and he said, Pastor, i got to tell you what's going on, amen, and, and what happened to me, and uh, so I just figured uh, I want to give you a little interview, all right? That's all right? That's all right. So so tell us, uh, tell, tell us first of all, you know, give us your name and, and your family, point your family, and, and uh, I'll, go ahead. Oh, my name is Trayvon Gilbert, my mom, my family's over there, sitting right there looking at me <laughs> right now. <laughs> wife's name is? My wife, Rachel. There you go. She, she is. How many kids you got? I have two daughters. Okay. They're back in the Fantastic. Yeah. They're back in the room learning about Jesus. Fantastic. Yeah. So tell us what happened to you this just week week over a week ago. Go ahead. Okay. Well, um I want to share how God's been good to me. And about two months ago, me and my wife, we moved into our house and we've been having problems with the water. We've been taking like cold showers. And about a week ago, my wife, some friends and family members, we all went to an amusement park, and a lady lost her son. She was in distress. She was looking for him about an hour and a half, and God placed, that, placed us in the right place at the right time, and so we stretched out, and we asked her the description of her son, and God led us to the son within 20 minutes, and she was looking for her boy for over an hour and a half. So later that night, me and my wife went home, 
who was expecting to take a cold shower and the water was scorching hot. <laughs> yes, God is good. He works in marvelous ways. And we're going to keep on praising God, and he's going to keep on blessing us. Amen. Now, is that what you expected when you, when you helped this person in distress, that you were going to go home to hot water? I was expecting it because I keep praising God. <laughs> praising God anyway for doing the right things. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand one more time. He said, I saw someone in distress. Do you remember that from last week? God wants us to see people who are in distress and to hear the general quarter sound and, and go help somebody. And some things that we expect are going to happen and some things are going to go even way beyond. Now, I don't know the connection between helping a mom find her kid in hot water, but I'll tell you what, Trayvon understands. He says, listen, I give God all the credit and all the glory and understand I came out of my normal spot and I started to do something in a supernatural way. Amen. You say, that's not supernatural. Listen, there are people all around and not everybody's asking to help. How many have been in a frantic place before and such, and you're just like, I just need somebody to see what's going on here. I need something to happen, someone to be concerned about what is concerning to me. And I want to tell you, you know, one of the general things that we need to overcome, one of the natural things that we need to come, this subject matter I'm going to deal with today, is procrastination. Procrastination is an enemy of the supernatural. Procrastination will cause for us to not be in the right place at the right time. There are people who are hearing the alarm. There are people who are hearing the sound. And rather than running to their station, they're just like, somebody else will get it if I'm not there in time. <laughs> it's kind of walking along, just kind of just lazily walking through life, expecting for somebody else to pick up the pieces. And rather than being the supernatural church that God's called us to be, we're natural, just like everybody else. Having the form, but not having the power thereof. Denying it. Say this with me. No more procrastination. Say it again. No more procrastination. It's going to help me to move into the supernatural. Now, now, some of you are so organized, you make me sick. <laughs> Not in a literal way, just probably jealousy. You're so efficient that you've already got Christmas shopping done. You take that Christmas in July thing really serious. You know what I'm saying? King and Country did. They sang that, ended with that closing song there last night. Amen. Well, drummer boy, oh, my goodness, that's fantastic. Many of us have intended to start our Christmas shopping by this time, but guess what? <laughs> We're still trying to get last year's Christmas gifts to the people who we said we'd get them to, right? Oh, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> Most of us know what we need to do, but we put it off. Procrastination is a universal problem. It's a way of life for some people. It's a lifestyle. It's one that I can speak about because I've experienced it. Don't look at me that way. How many of you experienced that before? 
you know all about procrastination. How many of you know what I'm saying? You, you can come into agreement. See, see, many times people will, will come up to me afterwards and say, Pastor, that was a really good message. And, and they'll say, it was a good message because they agreed with it. How many of you don't know that sometimes you hear something you may not agree with, but it's still a good message? <laughs> something we need to hear. Some people are professional procrastinators. They're very good at it. And after some extensive research, they've come up with some, some, the mindset of a procrastinator. First of all, the, phase, the first phase of a procrastinator is this. I'll start early this time. That's what they say. Phase number two, I've got to start soon. Phase number three, I should have started sooner. Phase four, there's still time to do it. Phase five, what's wrong with me? Phase six says, I can't wait any longer. Phase seven, just get it done. And finally, phase eight, next time I'll start earlier. The mindset of a pro professional procrastinator. The cycle repeats itself over and over again. Procrastination is my sin. It only brings me sorrow. I know that I should give it up. In fact, I will. Tomorrow. The Bible says, James chapter 4, verse 17. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. What I say? We should be doers of the word, right? We should be activated. If there's no activity, then there's no evidence of life. We're going to talk real quickly about the causes, some causes of procrastination. Go ahead and give me that next slide if you would, please. It's so important for us to realize some of the things that we need to overcome are this. Number one, indecision. Indecision causes procrastination. James chapter 1, verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all he does. Say all. <laughs> it's, it's an all. It affects every single area of your life when you're indecisive. Have you ever gone up to the to, to this restaurant and, and the waiter comes and says, you know what, have you made up your mind yet? And they've actually been to the table two or three or four times? Well, I just can't decide. There's this indecisiveness. And, and then you sit at the table with after somebody, you know, you've ordered your food and, and, and they're not happy with what they got. But guess what? Every single time they'd be like what you've got instead. I am not pointing any fingers. I'm not saying any more than that. I'm just telling you that it's something that's happened in my life. All right? All right. Indecision causes you to postpone, postpone buying a car, choosing a college, getting married, buying new clothes, it, changing a job. It doesn't matter. Indecision will cause for you to miss. There's some causes, all right? Miss out on that next thing. Second thing is this perfection. Perfection, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4 says this. It says, if you wait for perfect, or, or it says this, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Or in other words, if you wait for perfect conditions, you're never going to get anything done. How many of you know that you just got to go ahead and plant? You got to go ahead and expect for it to take place. You're not going to have the perfect conditions in when you can go ahead and say, I'm going to be used by God. You're not going to have enough knowledge. Hello? 
You're not going to feel like you have enough knowledge. You're going to feel inadequate. And the fact of the matter is, sometimes the more adequate you feel, the more you're relying upon yourself than you are upon him. And you know what? He knew it. And so he said to some of his servants, he says, listen, don't worry about the words. He says, I'm going to put the words in your mouth. I'm going to put them. And, and it helps out a whole lot when we have them written in our heart, does, does it not? It helps out a whole lot. Perfectionism will cause us to procrastinate. You can't wait for everything to perfect. You can't wait to have enough time, enough money. You can't wait to have enough time. You can't wait. You sometimes just got to squeeze it in, amen, into some situations, into some imperfect worlds that we're experiencing. The third thing, a cause of this procrastination is fear. Fear. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Another version says this, The fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. How many of you realize that when you're afraid of things, you put things off? You've been postponing going to the dentist because guess what? You don't want to hear him say that you need, to, uh, you know, some dental work, right? Some of you literally know that something's wrong with your physical body, but guess what? You won't go to the doctor because you don't want them to give you the bad news. It will disrupt your life. Doesn't make you any better. The fear of what you might hear. Some of us know that we need marriage counseling, but guess what? We don't want to go. We don't want because we might fear. We have a fear that some changes might have to be made. Some of us have to make an appointment with our bookkeeper, our accounting agent, our CPA. You know what? The IRS. <laughs> I mean, they don't go away. <laughs> okay, they won't call you. They won't email you. They will send you a letter. All right, just in case you want about that. All right, never mind. Schemes. All right. What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? Once again, go back to our theme verse, James 4, 17. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, this indecision, indecision, perfectionism, and fear stops us from doing the things that God has called us to do. Number four, fourth thing, fourth cause of procrastination is anger. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 9 says, a lazy person is as bad as someone who is destructive. You see, some people use procrastination as a way of getting back at other people. We delay. How many of you know in your training time for your kids, sometimes they just procrastinate because they're, they're angry because you're telling them what to do and they don't want to be told what to do. How many of you know it's healthy for you to help your kids to realize that they have to listen to people in authority? If you don't teach your kids that, and if you allow for them to continue to be angry towards you over the things that they have to do, okay, but they don't think they have to do, and they act out of that, they will be lifetime procrastinators and say, I'll get that a little later. They'll do it, but they'll take so long doing it that sometimes we'll ask ourselves, what in the world am I doing? Why am I waiting for them to do this? I'll just go ahead and what? Do it myself. Is that helping anybody? Is that making them into a better p person? No. But guess what? That's, a, that's one of the challenges that I've had to do as, as far as in, in my life. Is I, I get so 
you know, frustrated. I'll say frustrated at times. It's just like, you know what, we, we, we've got to do this. We've got to get this done. We've got to get this done for the kingdom. We do not know how much time we have, church. I can't let the anger that I have towards the kingdom of darkness who puts all these objections and these obstacles in the path of those who are in the church and makes us think we have all the time in the world. That anger will cause me to think, I, you know what, no one else is going to do it, so I'm just going to do it. And then I become a hireling rather than an equipper of the saints for works of service. Fifth thing I'll deal with, and there's probably many more, but is laziness. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4 says, Lazy people want much but get little, while the diligent are prospering. Look at that. Who is prospering? The diligent are prospering. Lazy people, they want much but they get little. They just are saying, you know what, I, I, I just want to be a couch potato. I mean, one of America's most e um, common sayings is, is easy, right? We want it easy. We don't think about ever wanting anything hard. Think about how many books you would sell if you came up with the title of a book that says, The Ten Most Difficult Steps to Change Your Life. How many of you know it wouldn't sell too many, right? Fifteen difficult ways to get into shape. No, 15 easy ways to get into shape. 15 easy things in order to fix my marriage. 15 easy ways in order to make money. We don't want hard. We want easy. So we become lazy. Well, I'm not telling, us, telling you that we sh should make everything hard, but there's just some things that we need to understand. If we expect everything in life to be easy, you're fooling yourself. It makes you lazy. It makes you feel like you're entitled. Americans are full with an entitlement mentality. I live in America, therefore things ought to be easier than what they are. If we go down and we have this comparison um, uh, mode and this mentality that starts to happen within us. And we start to see other churches and other people and other Christians who are living life. And we're saying, you know what, why isn't it easier on me? And don't you know that the enemy's just right there quick to put that in your ear. Look at so-and-so. You're doing that just as good as they are. You get up and pray just like they do. You pay your tithe just like they do, but things aren't as easy for you as what that is for them. How many of you know you don't see everything that's going on in everyone's life? And before long, you slip into this mode of laziness. It says, you know what? It's no sense anyway. I'm just going to kind of just sit by and, and whatever's happened is happening. My prayers aren't making much of a difference. Brings us to this next point, which is procrastination's cost. There are a couple misconceptions about procrastination. First of all, someone of us, some of us, some of the world thinks this. It's easier to avoid this than it is to face it. The avoidance issue. I'd rather just not talk about it. And then the other misconception is this. It'll be easier tomorrow. I'll just deal with it tomorrow. The problem with that is that it gives us more problems. Proverbs 15, 9, a lazy person has trouble all through life. All through life. That's the problem. There's some people here today who, who constantly have this challenge of wondering and worrying about whether or not they're going to run out of gas. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to point at anybody, all right? Preach a message a long time. You want to run on fumes or do you want a full tank? Hello? Some people, it doesn't cost you any more money 
in order to keep your tank at a place to where you can have a peace of mind. Doesn't cost you any more money. Doesn't take you any more time to consider your empty mark at the half gauge mark. You know what I'm saying? It's half. Uh, you consider yourself empty, whatever you have to do, whatever you have to tell yourself. But it presents you all kinds of problems. The cost of procrastination of filling up your tank and waiting till you get down to empty is you're always wondering, am I going to have enough to get to where I need to go? But if it's a half a tank, if that's your new empty mark, what is your empty mark? What is it that you are doing or what is it that you have to do so that the cost of procrastination, this, this isn't constantly problematic to you? What has to happen in your life to where you recognize, I'm ready, I'm ready. The alarm has gone off, and rather than wondering whether or not I'm prepared, I'm totally prepared. I'm ready to go. I went to my station. I know how to load my gun. I know how to stand my ground. I know how to help my other person, my, 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 my teammate, to be able to do what they need to do. There's no problems. Which brings us to our second thing, and that is a problem of this. is uh, uh, The cost is, is that we would experience wasted opportunities. Proverbs chapter 12, 20, verse 4, if you won't plow in the cold, you won't eat at harvest. Well, that's a hard truth. I mean, them Proverbs, they, they just kind of hit you between the eyes. You know what I'm saying? Guess is why I took the wisest man to, to write him down. The one with wisdom. God inspired him, helps us understand. There's so many people who are just waiting for it, like I said, to be perfect. But it's wasted opportunities. You've heard it said, make hay while the sun shines. Some of you didn't have any idea what that is, right? In other words, you know, some of you want to sleep in. How many know the days get a little bit longer in the summertime? But you still have the same desire and the same need for sleep, right? But what the scripture verse are, it, it, it is saying is, if you won't plow in the cold, if you won't, if, if you won't get out there in the hard times, if you won't get out there, then you're going to find yourself with all kinds of wasted opportunities. There's so many people in this world who think and said, if I had only done this. It would have been a wasted opportunity for Trayvon and his family not to help that person in distress. A wasted opportunity. You might say, well, wh wh what comes of that? What, what eternal significance comes? I'm not sure. I don't know if they got their name. I'm not sure if they exchanged business cards. I'm not sure if they invited them to church. How many of you know God's got a way of working things out that we don't have any idea how the outcome is going to be? we got to trust him. Oh, we need to be intentional, but, but he can cause for the, some things to come together where we won't be wasting the opportunity any longer. The third cost is this, that people get hurt. People get hurt because of procrastination. Proverbs 18.9 says, one who is slack in his work is, is brother to one who destroys. Ow. From the New Living Translation, it's put this way, a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. You see, laziness prevents us from being loving. You can't be loving if you are procrastinating. You put it off. God is wanting us to be loving in the now. He was moved with compassion on more than one occasion when he looked at the crowd, crowds who were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He's seen those people 
who were willing to be able to be, be bold enough and, and willing to, to do what was inconvenient. And they, and they stepped out of their comfort zone, and he stepped out of his. He says, you know what? This is more important right now. Love requires commitment. It requires energy. It requires work. And, 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 and so many people know the work that it takes in order to be successful, in order to be effective as far as a Christian. But guess what? It's easier not to do something. Are you called to the easy life? Or are you called to what I, th- I heard Jesus say, that if you want to follow me, you must what? Take up your cross. Whose cross is that? Your cross. It's your cross. He died on his cross. But he says, you've got a cross. You take up your cross and you follow after him. That don't sound too easy. Sounds there, but but guess what? If we continue to procrastinate, people get hurt because, you know what? We're just like a brother who destroys. We're just like someone who doesn't care at all. But rather than making an issue of these things, we, 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 we have to get to the point where we say, you know what? I am tired of hurting people because I am unwilling to quit being lazy. I want to put myself in a position where, where when people have a need that I'm able to be there. Listen, I want to plan ahead. Some of you know what it's like and, and you have this, this desire to be givers. And you carry around in your wallet a certain amount of money, whatever it is that you dealt with, all right, that the Lord's dealt with you about. And you're just ready in a moment's notice to be able to give that away to somebody. You're like, whoa. I'm not talking about a lot. I'm just talking about something. You know what I'm saying? Where you can be ready to be able to do something. You're not wasting an opportunity. You're, you're willing to, to love because love is a decision, says Gary Smalley, right? You choose to love somebody rather than hurt somebody. Last part of this message is this. Procrastination's cure. Number one, stop making excuses. Proverbs again, 22:13 says, "A lazy man is full of excuses. Full of excuses. Over and over again, we'll come up with these things. There's uh, people who sometimes make excuses who have no reason at all to make excuses. You know what I'm saying? People just don't care. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? We'll come up with the excuse that this is why this happened, and, I was, and they just go down this whole list of things as far as why they're running late. Or why, and it's just like, you know, I just, it just doesn't really even matter. How about we get to the point where we stop making excuses? An insurance company, an insurance company receive all kinds of reasons for their uh, uh, adjustments and, and for uh, um, claims and such like that, and, and so one insurance company received these uh, explanations or excuses from people for the accidents they were in, and uh, I think you'll find some of them humorous. Maybe not. Maybe you made some of them. I don't know. But anyway, this, this is what one person wrote. Going home from work, I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree I don't have. <laughs> Here's one. The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. You don't think sometimes, right, before we come up with these excuses. Here's one. In my attempt to kill a fly, I drove into a telephone pole. Yikes. I was on my way to the doctor's with the rear end trouble when my universal joints gave way, causing me to have an accident. That's that's got that's got not a pretty picture at all. All right, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> How about this one? 
As I pulled away from the side of the road, I glanced at my mother-in-law and headed over the embankment. Oh, excuses. I've been driving my car for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. And finally, the pedestrian had no idea which way to go, so I ran over him. What are some silly excuses that we come up with? One of these days, we might say, when is that day going to come? Ben Franklin said this, people who are good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. We cannot put off today what God wants us to do any longer. God has put you here upon this earth, and he wants you to be fully equipped to be able to go and do what God's called us to do. And so that brings us to the second thing, and that is to start today. Not next month, not next week, not tomorrow, but right now. Proverbs 21.1 says, never boast about tomorrow. You don't know what will happen between now and then. You just don't know. Start today. Very tragic thing happened to my family over the course of this, this last week. And, and you know, I was at a, a memorial service, a, a funeral service for a, a second cousin of mine, a first cousin to my, my mom on, on her side. And, and uh, he was a pastor. He's 66 years old. And, and uh, he was changing his tire in Grand Rapids. And he was shot to death while he was changing his tire. Now, my mom and dad spend time and fellowship with them when they're in Florida over the winters and such. And it was, I mean, it, it's, it's very tragic to think that that took place. He, he, he knows the Lord. I mean, there's all kinds of, of theological th uh, problems and complications that we think about as far as, Lord, why? 66 years old, retired not th that long ago, got still so much life uh, ahead of them. How could you let this happen? And you know what happened at his memorial service? The grandchildren and the children got up there and spoke of the faithfulness of God, spoke about how now is our opportunity, now is our time. Listen, we don't know if we have another hour. We don't know if we have another day. But I'm telling you what, you got to start today because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You, you have to wonder, say, what in the world is going to be my legacy? What in the world is going to take place with the amount of time that I have left here? Because God's called us to start today. Don't wait, church. It's a warning time for us. Some of you have had some medical scares, and, and you wonder, what in the world is going on? And someone has just kind of even posed the idea that something could be wrong. And, and rather than having joy, rather than being excited about the amount of days that you have left, you're automatically thinking about, oh, no, what am I not going to get to do? How about you live each day starting? Live each day doing what God's called you to do. And the only way that's going to happen is if you establish a planned schedule. If you make intention to go and to learn a new name, to engage and to have interaction with somebody. Proverbs 13, 6 says this, a wise man plans ahead, a fool doesn't. I want you to know something. Ephesians 5, 16 says that we should live like wise men. Make good use of every opportunity. But you've got to make a plan. How many people is the bare minimum that you are called to by God Almighty, and not in an easy way, but in a difficult way, to set your agenda aside, to have interaction with somebody and say, listen, I want to tell you something. I've prayed about this, and I believe God has given me a word for you. You don't do that with everybody. But how many of us are asking for it? How many of us are taking seriously the word of God that says that we should eagerly desire the gifts? 
Well, doesn't the word say that the Holy Spirit who enables the give is a giver of these gifts that he will give each two of us, uh, each to us as he uh, determines ahead of time, so, you know, so that it will build up the body? Certainly so. But he also tells you to eagerly desire him. I'm making a plan for God to use me. I'm making a plan that says I will trust in the Lord with all my heart. I will lean not to my own understanding, but I will acknowledge him and I will expect for him to guide and direct my paths. How about you? I'm expecting him for to do something different. I'm expecting him to help me to face my fears. That's how we do it. That's how we get over this procrastination. We recognize and we believe it. Philippians 4.13 that says, There is nothing I cannot master with the help of Christ who gives me strength. There is nothing impossible for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is nothing. Say nothing with me. There is nothing. Do you believe that? Do you know what that means? How is it applied in your life? And there's, there's, there's some situations that fall over here that are in the, in the nothing area, and then some things fall over here in the, in the something areas. Listen, there is nothing that covers it all. <laughs> finally, finally, the last thing is this, that we must focus on the gain and not the pain. Praise team, I want you to come up here if you would, please. Life is tough. God's calling on us to live in tough times. Some of you feel like you have a tougher time than other people. But this verse right here tells us what the expected outcome can be. Galatians 6, 9, so let us not become tired of doing good, for if we do not give up. If we do not give up, the time will come when we reap a harvest. The fields are white unto harvest, amen? So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers. You might be thinking, because I'm feeling like I'm saying it over again as far as this message. I'm telling you what, church, one of the most, the, the, the most positive things, the most reinforcing, the most uh, empowering things that I can give you is that you are a church who is supposed to be on purpose. You are a church who is supposed to be on mission. And when you worry about being on mission and worry is in the right place, but you prepare yourself, you get excited about about what God's going to give you as far as interactions, then you will grow. Someone says, well, what about growing, Pastor? You know, you're just sending us out. We need to grow. Listen, when you're in your devotional time, when you're in your closet by yourself, and you're spending time in praise and wor in worship, and you're talking about the great things of God, and you're all alone, nobody else is there. You know God knows how serious you are. He knows the attacks that's coming against you in your mind that's making you think that you can do or you can't do. I'm telling you, God has made you a can-do person. He's made you a can-do person, amen? It's time. No more procrastination. Say it with me. Say, no more. No more. Procrastination. Procrastination. You can't wait for the right opportunity. You can't wait, wait for the perfect moment. You can't wait till you have enough finances. You can't wait till you have enough education. You can't wait until, you know, all of the situations get right. Sometimes you just got to step out there. Oh, I'm not telling you not to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you he's desiring to lead you a whole lot more than what we're willing to receive him, to what we're willing to be led by him because we're not intentional about it. Do you know what I'm saying? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the success rate? 
a central assembly of God attendees, a central assembly of God members. If, if, you, if you made an intention that for 52 weeks out of the year, for one, one person, every single week of this year, you're going to learn a new name. You're going to have a new situation to pray about, and you're going to add it to your list, and you're gonna, your, your prayer time is going to take a little bit longer, all right, towards the end of the year. <laughs> Some of us don't know what to pray about. How could that be? How could it be that we don't know what to pray about? Could it be that we're not adding new things, new occasions, new opportunities, new people to the hit list that God has given to us? I am thrilled about the opportunity. I am thrilled about the challenge. I am thrilled about the expectancy that God has for us to be the performers not performers as far as fake. Not formers as far as without power, all right? But the people who's part of the orchestra, who's carrying out and making this sweet, 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 sweet sound. Listen, you know what is what, what really makes sense to God, what really is pleasing to him is when his children will praise him. In the midst of adversity, they'll say, you are worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. You see, the thing that needs to happen for us is that some of us need to experience a, a heaven moment. We need to get into a spot to where we say, you know what, Lord, I am expecting you to operate through me because your spirit is the same today as he was yesterday. You're flowing through me. You're operating through me, and I'm expecting for you to do things that cannot be done in any other way. Stand to your feet in this place, if you would, please. The song that they're going to lead us in is this here as in heaven. And it says this, it says the atmosphere is changing now for the spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around that the spirit of the Lord is here. The atmosphere is changing now. When? Now. <laughs> Do you mean it? The atmosphere is changing here like in this room? Okay. But how about here? In this room? How about here right now? The atmosphere is changing now. The spirit of the Lord is here. That's, the, that's what the scriptures say. The spirit of the Lord is here. And look what he says. In the, the song says, overflow in this place. Fill our hearts with your love. Your love surrounds you. The reason we came to encounter your love, your love surrounds us. Hmm. Jesus, in these next few moments, I pray, God, that you would seal the deal for some people who have been struggling with procrastination. They find themselves coming up with all kinds of excuses and the costs are devastating. But here today, Lord, we stop making excuses. Here today, Lord, we pray with intention as it is in heaven, let it be here now. As your spirit is free and flowing and moving and empowering, People who are hungry, people who want to be used, you use us today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're here today, and you know that this message is for you. You're standing here, and you're saying, Pastor, the Spirit is, is, is telling me. He's, he's convicting me right now, and, and I don't have to know, but you've got to know it. You've got to break past that barrier. You've got to break past that natural, that hindrance and that restriction. And said, I don't, I don't want anybody to see. It's, it's just my private thing. Well, well I, I believe that we need to just, just to go past it. We need to blow past it and say, I don't care who sees me. 
But I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm declaring today, no more. No more procrastination if that you lift up your hand right now. Come on, in this place, right now, right now. No more procrastination. He's called me to read. He's called me to pray. He's called me to minister. He's called me to do some things. And I'm saying today, no more procrastination. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Some of you have procrastinated on the most important thing that there is, and that is upon re about receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But you're here today. All the other hands are down, and you're here today, and you say, I procrastinate no more. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day in which I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. You're here in this place, and it's you. Lift up your hand. Come on, where are you at? Where are you at today? Someone here in this place today that is not right with Jesus, I see that hand. God bless you. Over to my right. God bless you. Anybody else in this place? Had five individuals last week. Amen. Some of them, they're still here today. Amen. They came back again today. People are here today. People are making commitments. Someone else here today. You say, today I am going to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. I can't be perfect, but one thing is for sure, I am going to make him my Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody in this place, rejoice with me and let's pray this prayer to together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for seeing us where we are and desiring to us and desiring to make us something different. And desiring to make us something different. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your salvation. That's been provided. It's been provided. Because of the price you paid on the cross. Because of the price you paid on the cross. We receive you. As our Lord and Savior. As our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name.